Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Going to talk some USC Trojan football, sort of turning the page. Most of 2018, all that recruiting stuff, all that stuff is behind USC fans, USC Trojan people everywhere. Now, now we're going to move forward. What's going, you know, coming up with these winter workouts with spring football, the 2020 recruiting class. We'll talk about that. So we're just, this is sort of like the, the page turning episode here for the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk to Dan Weber, who's on the line, and we have Keely Yor in studio. Uh, going to talk about all things USC football. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address, or if you'd like to call or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. we got a couple texts. I think we have one voicemail today. It is the off season, so if you have any weird questions, send them in. Let us know. Make sure when you send them in, if it's for this show or for Harvey Hyde or whatever, just let us know who you would like to answer your question, and we would be happy to do that. But, uh, Keely, welcome to the studio. How are you? Thank you, thank you. I'm doing well. You you said we're turning the page, but I, I took a peek at the questions. They're, they're a little little back in the, the past, but <laughs> Maybe okay. we're not turning the page just yet. Not just yet. Okay. Well, a little bit. We're we'll going to try to. Uh, yeah, I, I, we talked about on the... Monday show with Harvey Hyde, like Puka Nakua, like that literally happened 12 hours before we taped the show. And people on the Peristyle were like, why are you still talking about this? I'm like, it literally happened last night. Like, I don't know. We can't avoid like, you know, the, the third rank, the third best player on USC's class, not signing with USC, but you know, that's where some of the fan base is right now. I get it. Like they don't want to hear bad news, but you know, we're not going to ignore news just because it's bad. Uh, we also have Dan Weber uh, on the line. He never ignores any of the news. What's up, Dan? Yeah, and it it wasn't like uh, Puka was like a USC commit or anything, uh, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> that was weird. Oh well, I, I mean, he he deserved he going from one snowstorm in Utah to another one in uh, in Seattle. Uh, the heck was uh, you know you like that snow? I guess uh, go for it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's you know it, it impacted things. It was it was something that was real. He was a long time commit, and like I said, he was the third highest ranked player on USC's commit list or signing list, you know, the only one that wasn't signed. But uh, we talked about that in the last show. We're not going to get into too much of that. But we, we're we talking about some 2020 stuff because uh, Keely was out at the opening L.A. on Sunday within the rain. So we'll talk to her about that. We want to talk about some of the Trojans, the uh, USC players going to the NFL Combine, and even a little bit of the uh, AAF, the Alliance of American Football. I got to see some USC guys in action there. We got a bunch of questions, too, we were going to get to. Before we do, I just want to thank Trader Joe's, they've been an awesome sponsor for us uh, over the last couple of years. I, I think I told you guys uh, a couple of weeks ago when we met, I had uh, lunch with John Bassalone, the president of Trader Joe's. Yes. And he gave me his personal recommendation, which was the smoked trout. Yes. And we ate, my wife and I ate it. It was actually good. So it's like, <laughs> it's really good. We put it on some of the Trader Joe's brioche toast. And uh, those are like these crunchy. Those are good. That was probably mm. gluteny. You probably can't do that. A lot those. of gluten in there, probably. Yeah, but they're they're real crunchy and they're really good. Uh, so I would I would recommend that. So I don't. 
I haven't bought them yet myself. And we have to do that the next time we go in there. But uh, I was a little shocked when you see this like sardine can and, and John's like, you got to try this. It's, I'm like, all right, John, he knows his stuff. He's he, It's really good. Sounds like he would know stuff. Yeah. I mean, he knows Trader Joe's pretty well. Pretty well. I, I, would, say. I would say. Have you tried, you haven't tried that one, Dan, yet? As a big a fan as I am of John and Trader Joe's, <laughs> I'm not trying the trout. <laughs> I've had trout once in my life, and that will be the last Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, I mean, some Not a trout things. guy. Gotcha. Not a All right. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a sardine can, but it's more of a tuna fish kind of, it's not, well, it's, it's it's flaking. I don't know. You have to try it out and check it out. This is now a trout podcast. It's a trout podcast. Um, okay, so let's jump in. Why don't we jump in with you, Keely, talking oh. 2020 recruits. Uh, there's, you know, some some USC fans have maybe a bad taste in their mouth after signing day, but seeing the guys at the opening, some some highly ranked USC leaning or committed players has to make them feel a little bit better, I would think. A little bit, but based on my mentions, everyone's a little a little shy about, well, if he's committed, is he still committed? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, and understandable. But yeah, I got to talk to uh, Bryce Young, five-star quarterback at a modern day. He's still solid with USC. Um, he's really excited about Graham Harrell. Um, if you didn't know Graham Harrell, before he went anywhere in California, when the plane touched down, he went directly to modern day to talk to Bryce Young. And Bryce said that it made a huge impression on him. And they just yeah. clicked so well. And he said that, uh, you know, that sitting down and talking about the air raid offense, he, he said, like, he's sat down with multiple coaches and multiple offensive coordinators and talked about their scheme. And he was like, it didn't really click as well as it did with Graham. He said it, it was more fun and not so much routes and, and really a mundane thing. So it sounds like he really clicked with Graham Harrell, he went on an official visit to USC, unofficial visit, uh, last Saturday. So he's really pumped still. I was like, a lot of people are seeing turmoil at USC. What's What makes you still so committed? And he just really enjoys the coaching staff and yeah. and is excited for the future. So nice. a nice Bryce Young update. I got to talk to Gary Bryant. He's a four-star uh, wide receiver out of Centennial. And USC just had some Centennial guys, guys. sign. Yep. Three guys so from Centennial. A mini pipeline, if you will. Um, yeah. So he's actually high on the Trojans right now. Um, he said that Bryce Young, he he's I think he's on premium, the seven-on-seven seven, uh, team yeah. with Bryce Young. So he said that uh, Bryce going to USC is a big um, draw for him. He said thinking about being in college and having Bryce throw to me is a big uh, deal for me. So it sounds like he's pretty high on the Trojans right now, and he just lit up the opening. Um, he was, I think Greg Biggins named him the alpha dog of the camp. So, wow. yeah, right. so good things for USC in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it helps having, uh, you know, a, a big-time quarterback in the class, especially one that's local that can be part of the, you know, recruiting. That's, you know, Kevon Slovis, like, I think he's a, a nice kid, but, you know, being out in Arizona, he's not really involved in the seven-on-seven circuit around here. Bryce Young will be involved in all that stuff, so that's going to be a – a benefit for USC going forward with a lot of these guys. Yeah, for sure. I asked Bryce if he's a recruiter at all, and he kind of laughed. He's like, I'm a little shy in that sense, but yeah. I'm going into my senior year. I think I got to step it up a little bit. But, nice. Yep. We'll have to check out, check more here. But uh, Keely put up a bunch of highlights and stuff, too. You can Yeah, and I'll have interviews out. up soon, too. So a lot of content out of the opening. Yeah. Um, Dan, switching gears a little bit to the the Progens that we talked about, uh, the over the weekend – the the new if you you miss football I think this is a good thing by the way uh, the elite uh, alliance of American football I think it's called all right the alliance of American football AAF um, they had San Antonio was hosting uh, I think they're the Commodores or Co- Commanders or something and they were hosting the San Diego uh, fleet 
that was one of the you know deepest rivals in the in the league. No, it was the first game For ever. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but to like to see Damian Mama switch from guard because they had a lot of uh, guys get injured. He switched from guard, goes to center. And I think there was a couple of low snaps in there, but just to see him play it again, Demetrius Wright was on that team. I don't remember seeing him specifically, but it was a little harder to to mention. And there was a lot, I don't know if you watched it, but there was a lot of sacks in that league and they don't allow blitzing. You can only uh, rush five people at a time, but there were still a lot of sacks. So maybe that's why, maybe it's harder to get offensive linemen going, but see Damian Mama back out there, I thought was kind of a cool thing. And there's other Trojans sprinkled around the league too. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting deal. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of almost more interested in, in, in like Bob Stoops coming back as a general manager and uh, uh, Steve Spurrier, I think, is coaching one of those teams. Yeah, he, or he, he is. He's doing something. Uh, so, so I find that, you know, kind of just, you know, kind of just from, you know, looking at him from 50,000 feet and just seeing, I wonder where this is going. Or And, and I did notice that the um, – uh, the TV ratings for the, the whatever game was on uh, was higher than the NBA rating uh, of a, you know a comparable game that day over the weekend. So uh, it was like you know a, a shockingly good like 2.1 rating, which is was certainly better than some USC games last uh, last fall. <laughs> so uh, people like football. Yeah, they do like their football. They do. And it's, it's fun too. If you watch and you see people that, you know, from the PAC 12, even like Mike Berkovici, you might have remembered him throwing a hail, right. hail Mary yeah. to, uh, was the, it Jalen? The jail Mary, the jail Mary, Jalen strong. I believe it was, uh, to beat USC in the Coliseum, Nelson Spruce, who caught like a billion passes while he was at Colorado and, uh, you know, zillions of yards. So seeing some former, uh, Pac-12 players, not just USC players. It was kind of, it's kind of cool. And it's, it's football, you know. I think this is. A, yeah. and it, it, I think the NFL is going to support this one too. Uh, maybe they, you know, merge because the next next year starts the XFL again. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's wow. coming back. There's going to be three of them, I think. Too much football, but is there such a thing? No. That, why did you say that? The, I'm too? sorry, I'm sorry. It's like too chocolatey, or that's too sweet. Those words don't exist in yeah, my mouth. Yeah, but you're a sweets guy, yeah. right? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I think now, because like the NBA is big, the NFL will try. I think Colin Coward was talking about this today, too. I think the NFL will support this stuff because you just want more football. If they're talking about football in NBA time, that's good for the NFL. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. You know, the other thing is uh, it's live programming, uh, and it's not going to cost you a lot. You know, the NBA, for example, costs ESPN an unbelievable ton of money, which yes. is why they have to promote it so much. And if you're not getting a whole lot higher ratings uh, for the NBA than, you know, the uh, AAF are getting, uh, man, that's a smart deal for, uh, you know, the networks. Um, so I think they're going to encourage it. I mean, I think there's a lot going for it. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been surprised that the CFL doesn't get more exposure uh, you know, here just because you can get the rights fees, you know, the rights fees are so, so darn reasonable and it's football, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'd look for more football and, and watch, uh, you know, we're going to have to keep track of where, where the USC guys are. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're going to try to do some stuff like that. Uh, we just, we just hired a new, uh, contributor to the site, Grayson Weir, who, uh, uh, grew up big on USC. He's living out here now, but, went to high school in Connecticut, went to old miss. He's been like all over the place, but really 
Uh, he works for Fox Sports, but wanted to get uh, back into writing. So we had a couple meetings, and he's going to be writing some stuff. And I think he'll he'll be he'll update everybody where players like in the AF, AAFR and things like that. So it'll be uh, it'll be cool. When I, growing up, there was the the radio station that like the hard rock radio station we listened to was WAAF in, in Massachusetts. Yeah, so it's like. <laughs> W A A F, you know, wow. you rock in Boston or whatever it was. Yeah, a young little rebel, Ryan. I, was a little, little, rock? I think my first concert was like Def Leppard or something. Oh, you nice. know? So yeah, I was listening. <laughs> I would like that stuff. Um, also on the the pro side of things, we got to talk about this on Tunnel Vision uh, last week, but Dan, we never got to bring it up with you. Uh, five USC Trojans were invited to the NFL Combine. Only one on offense, so Chuma Doga, who did really good job at the uh, Senior Bowl. On the defensive side, you got Porter Gustin, Cameron Smith, uh, the safety Marvell Tell, and Iman Marshall. Probably the biggest snub, um, Chris Brown on the offensive line. Uh, but you know, every, everything else probably not a big surprise. Any any thoughts on those five guys making it to the combine, Dan? Yeah, five is a is not a bad number. I mean, uh, you know, it's been you know comparable to numbers uh in some of the you know good years so uh uh you know uh, and and the fact that more on more on defense makes uh makes a lot of sense uh you're hoping porter is uh is healthy and ready to go he deserves a you know a chance to to show what he can do i think for cameron uh you know he purposely played lighter this year and 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 wanted to be quicker and and be able to do all the things that you're going to do at the combine so i think we're going to we're going to get to see that play out. Uh, obviously, uh, they're going to be paying attention to Chuma and 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 saying, well, you know, which is the real, you know, Chuma, uh, you know, the guy that you know didn't always show up or wasn't always in the game and and had you know penalty issues and all that uh, with USC or the guy that was you know maybe the most impressive, certainly the most impressive compared to his um, you know reputation coming in at the you know Senior Bowl. And then you've got a chance for Iman to, you know, Iman to uh, really show. I thought physically he played he played well at you know at the uh, Senior Bowl and in the workouts. And you know you've got a six uh, you know, kid that's not quite six two and uh, two hundred pounds and 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 can really do a lot of things physically. And then um, uh, you know I, I just think it's a good deal for these guys for this year. This looks like. These look like the kind of guys that can go to the combine and help themselves. I don't think I don't think any of them are going to get hurt real badly in terms of uh, of how they run, where it's going to be. Oh my gosh, look at that! Or uh, I think you know again the the power lifting. Uh, I think we're going to see where are they there. Uh, you know, for a guy like uh, uh, Cameron, I think that's really you know that's really important. A guy like Chuma, uh, I think. I think we'll see, uh, you know, where do they, uh, where do they fit in there? And we, we haven't had a lot of good luck recently with USC kids, uh, you know, on the weights and, and running. And, uh, this is, uh, it'd be worth watching. I think we're all going to be watching it and saying, see where these guys are and hoping for the best. Uh, you know, they had a kind of a tough, uh, tough time. They had some really good times at USC and, they finished up with a really, uh, you know, really tough year. So you're kind of rooting for these guys. So uh, good luck. Uh, I, I think they've got a, all got a chance. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any like first day picks or anything, but, or, no. I mean, they might all be third day picks, but I think you're, they're probably, you know, get on some decent teams and 
all have a chance to make a roster. So we'll see kind of where they go from there. Um, yeah, I would think every, I think they all get drafted. I, I really do. I, I think they're all going to, you know, and that's, you know, you get five, five drafted out of a class is not bad. No, that, that, would, that wouldn't be too bad. You might get a Chris Brown uh, getting up there as well. A Jane Harris. I mean, there's a few other guys out there that could, you know, sneak in somewhere, but uh, you know, it's not, you'd like to be getting invited to the combine, but you know, maybe they have a good pro day, things like that. So we'll, We'll be on top of all that stuff, of course, going forward. Um, I guess we could jump into the mailbag. Lots of the questions and stuff. The mailbag. Yeah, we can do that. Which direction would it go, Keely? Well, Jim in Oregon says, I read where Clay is rated number one in the country on the coach's hot seat. Now ready to back him 100%. He has made some good changes with his with the biggest his agreement to let someone else handle the offense can't call me pessimistic now ryan also (laughs) read where morton shapiro is in the top two and becoming the new usc president his academic success sounds just what the school needs plus his attitude about the sports program sounds just outstanding don't think he will put up with lynn swan whose claim to fame is water polo and women's soccer what do you think dan jim and organ well i mean you know as far as i'm concerned you look at and all the backgrounds, uh, you know, Morton Shapiro is, there isn't anybody else, you know, in that category. I mean, a, a successful dean at USC, uh, raised money at USC, made a lot of friendships, uh, a guy who really likes football. Uh, when you hear him talk about Northwestern football and the level of detail that he under, you know, understand, understood about Northwestern football, they've just opened a $270 million facility on, on Lake Michigan that's the best in the Big Ten. It's imagine that, Northwestern with the best uh, football facilities in the Big Ten, uh, the best athletic director, maybe one of the couple best athletic directors in the country, uh, a really you know, strong uh, football coach. Uh, and you know, It's a private university with a great academic reputation in a major metropolitan area. You know, you've got you know, LA and Chicago, two and three, in terms of, uh, a, 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 you know, med- metropolitan areas, which is a whole different place to do college football. College football hasn't really, you know, flourished that much in the, in the really big metropolitan areas. LA is, is really unusual. And so you would like to see a guy who's had that kind of uh, background, uh, also a big, the Big Ten back- background, I think, really helps him. Uh, for you know, coming from a conference where they've done everything right and they've figured out all the you know they've performed you know maybe better than their teams in terms of of the broadcasting deals and the the money they're they're about to you know be you know generating from their own network and and, and their TV contracts. So he'd love to see a guy like that not only come into USC but come into the Pac-12. So uh, so I'm a I'm on the I'm on the Morton uh, Shapiro bandwagon. Whether, you know, does he want to deal with some of the issues at USC? I think you know the feuding on the on the board of trustees and and uh, you know the lawsuits and the you know the amount of money that you know that USC is going to have to have already committed and going to have to commit to to the lawsuits that have built up built up and and just you know if you look at athletics, there are a whole lot of issues. Uh, you know, with athletics and, uh, you know, I understand that he's somebody that, that is being, uh, you know, well clued in as to what's going on at his old school. 
and uh, whether he would want to take all of that on or not, uh, he certainly seems like the one person that just stands out uh, of all the rest who would have the, you know, the perfect background to move from Northwestern to USC and um, in every way, including uh, athletics, which obviously can't be, you know, at the top of his list as much as we'd like it. But he seems like he would have the, you know, the perfect, uh, perfect take on that. And, and I'm not sure <laughs> what the other, the other question, I guess, was giving Clay uh, his due for, uh, you know, making the move on offense. And, and I agree. I mean, here's a guy who's been coaching offense his whole life, coaching quarterbacks, uh, calling plays, uh, you know, court, offensive coordinator and all that, and basically say, you know, we need somebody to do this and we need somebody to do the whole thing. And we need somebody to get me out of, out of doing this. And, uh, I think he's exactly right. I think that he, he made the right call. I think the, I think the, you know, I, I would agree with Clay. It's not quite the air raid. Uh, and I like that. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a place for tight ends and H backs and, and, and the run game and all of that. Uh, but, uh, I think the way, and I know it's not the way USC football used to be with all those great offensive linemen, those big, big guys that can run and, 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 you know, where they could just hand the ball off to, you know, OJ and, and Marcus, uh, you know, Allen and all those guys is it it's not going to be that way anymore. You just look at high school football as good as it is in a lot of ways in the West coast with, you know, two of the top three programs every single year are out here and, and, and you've got all the, you know, the, you know, Corona Centennials and Gorman's and all these other, you know, natural kind of places where USC could recruit. I just don't think uh, you're going to see the kind of power football played on the West coast that you're seeing or you can see as much in the other parts of the country. And as much as Alabama's changing and Clemson's changing, I think USC has to change to where, uh, you know, the recruits are coming and there's so many are coming out of the, uh, out of the, uh, seven on seven that, that California is so far ahead of the rest of the country, you know, in seven on seven football. I think this is the logical way for USC to go. I'm glad Clay said we got to find the guy who can do it. And Kingsbury was the one guy that could do it, you know, probably better than anybody. Wasn't going to be here long. He wasn't here long at all, as it turns out. And then I think Graham Harrell was the logical place you had to go to get the next guy to do what you have to do. So, so I'll give him all the credit in the world for, uh, for getting it done uh, and for bringing in his, his, um, his quality control guy. And we've got the, you know, the, the um, backfield coach, uh, you know, running backs coach. Um, so, so I think that is all moving in the right direction. And I think getting Drevno back to coaching uh, in the offensive line. And then uh, you would like, if there's one area you would have liked to have seen happen in the offense would be uh, uh, more than just one wide receiver coach with, with Kerry Colbert there uh, having not, you know, coached the system before, but, uh, but in general, I think they made all the right moves on offense. Well, Tom in South Bay has a completely different opinion than you, Dan. He says, we won championships with physicality and smash mouth football from John McKay to John Robinson to Pete Carroll. 
Now we have a desperate coach fighting for his job that he never should have had in the first place, wanting to change our philosophy. I'm not against change, but why are we imitating other schools with a system that will never produce a championship? Air Raid is not for us. We have our... our, we have our, our identity. We are tail ba- Wow, hello. We are ta- <laughs> tailback you. We need to go back and do that, but without this incompetent staff. Your thoughts, please. Fight on, Tom in South Bay. I mean, I think you can get tailbacked. I, mean, I, I think uh, you know. Obviously, Alabama's coming here. You know, get get tailbacks in California. So I, I don't know that it's the tailbacks that that are the problem. I just don't see quality of offensive linemen i just i just don't see them you know and, and, and you have to get every one of them you can't for example alabama just graduated a four-year starter from folsom uh you know who you who you know first time he started for alabama was in the you know 52 to 6 romp over usc yeah you can't lose anybody like that you have to get everybody you've got to do a better job um, you know, recruiting Texas and Ohio, whenever one of those guys comes around that you might be able to get, you have to get them. And I don't know that, you know, you're going to have to do some things different. And I just don't think, you know, this USC right now has maybe the ability to go in and get some of those kids until they, until they get things turned around. But, but I'm more, you know, thinking that when you look at where West Coast football is going, I mean, I, I, I played at you know, Cincinnati St. Xavier High School, and a couple of years ago, Cincinnati St. X won the, uh, won the state championship in Ohio in the, you know, the big school class. And they opened the year with Bosco in Cincinnati at the Herb Street Classic. And Bosco just rolled them. I mean, there's no, I mean, the, the level of sophistication, the level of uh, things that Bosco could do on offense compared to, you know, what, what my old high school could do, which turned out, you know, I'd have a really good team. Uh, there, I just think there is a difference. And I think USC probably needs to go with that, uh, with where football is going on the West Coast. Uh, in the high schools, I just think, uh, and just you know, and if nobody's won yet, you know, doing that, USC, I think that would be the challenge to be the first team that um, you know takes it all the way, and and you know shows that you can win uh, a national championship uh, doing that. And I think the big challenge there is uh, is how you practice when you practice that way on offense. How do you get the defense up to speed? especially when they see teams that are, you know, that are more power oriented, you know, the Stanford's and, you know, Alabama's still going to be, uh, you know, pretty power oriented. Clemson can go either direction, but Ohio state going to be that way. And, and you've got to still be able to do both things. And, and that'll be a challenge. I don't think there's any question, but I just, I don't see USC going back to tailback you. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's, that's past. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Sorry, Tom. Uh, <laughs> was that Tom? Tom in South Bay? Was that Tom one? in South Bay. Yeah, Tom. Uh, speaking of the offense, we have a uh, voicemail having to do with uh, Graham Harrell and stuff. So I'll play it for you, Dan, and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, guys. Qu- this question's for Dan. I'll try to reduce the pa- pauses this time around. So anyways, what's the actuality of Clay Helton actually sticking to his word and giving Graham Harrell the reins to the offense? I'm sorry, but I'm just kind of in believe it when I see it mode. I mean, I don't think that anybody in the world, including Lynn Swan, 
could have forced Helton to change the center position last year. I just, I just don't think anybody could have. So I know that that person is no longer on the team and I wish him the best in his career and his life moving forward. But that being said, what happens if sim- if Helton develops a similar love of his life this year and Harold says no to him? I mean, it's one thing to just say now that Harold has complete control and reigns to the offense, but when push comes to shove, do you actually think that Clay will give up another love of his life if Harold demands it? I just don't see it happening, or at least I'm at the minimum I'm in believe it when I see it mode. Anyways, fight on Jason and Longhorn Country. Yeah, Jason, I think Clay's priorities were a, a little bit uh, skewed uh, in, in terms of some of those things. I don't know that he knew any better. They were trying to, you know, tinker around with the offense, you know, the gumbo thing, and he didn't really know what exactly they were, you know, doing overall. There wasn't. It was sort of a hybrid thing that had been put together over the years, you know, with the stuff Lane was doing and the stuff Sark was doing and the stuff Clay, you know, thought about doing and. Nobody had a really good grasp of it, and, and they gave it to you know to T to you know to figure it out. But they said, "Here, we'll give you Tyson, who will help you." And then Tyson moves on, and then Clay will still be in there helping. And yeah, it it was really not the way to go. There wasn't a real focus on this is who we are, this is what we do, this is how we're going to try to beat you on offense. I think the good news is that that Clay basically. I think stuck to his guns in saying we have to hire somebody who can completely come in here and do his own offense that he really understands that he doesn't need help. Uh, and he's going to do something that we're not going to necessarily help him with anyway. Uh, so Clay's pretty committed to that. It would be if there were any sense that that's not happening as much as they might try to talk around it, I don't think they could get away from it. Uh, and I, I, I think, you know, I think this is going to be one of those situations where Graham is going to say, this is what we need to do, or this is who we need to do it with. You know, if there's a difference between the two centers and you have to say, look, I want the guy that puts a snap here every single time, boom, boom, boom. This is the difference. I think that will make the difference. Now, obviously he's going to have to have, um, uh, Tim Drub, though, uh, you know, agreeing with Graham and uh, and Mike Jinks, you know, as far as the running backs and all of that. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm more inclined to the fact, you know, to the understanding that Clay really does know how it didn't work the last couple of years. Uh, that whole, you know, mix of, of various, uh, you know, uh, you know, opinions on it, what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. It just didn't work. It didn't work in practice didn't work in games, uh, you know, thanks for, you know, Sam Darnold. But other than that, uh, it just, it just, it's so obvious, I think, to everybody, and I think that includes Clay. Uh, and now that he won't be directly involved in it and trying to make it better, I think, it, 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 you know, it removes him, you know, the, from the firing line. And I know they always would tell us, when you said who's going to start or who's going to do this, they'd all say at every position, every coach would say, no, that's Clay's call. I think with the offense this year, it won't be as much Clay's call in terms of, uh, of who's starting and, 
and how they're going to alternate and all that. I think there's just a whole different um, vibe about how this offense goes together, how they practice it. It won't be so much practicing plays, uh, and I'll keep saying this over and over, how, it'll be about how do they practice to play. And it'll just have a different uh, you know, continuity, and, and it won't be stopping and starting and stopping and starting. It'll be more of a, a continuous flow, uh, which will be more a reflection of how you practice and not, you know, what, what did you talk about in the quarterback room or the, you know, the offensive room or whatever. Um, so, so I think I'd be a little more optimistic than you are uh, about how this is going to go and, and, and Clay staying, staying hands off because Clay hasn't done, you know, what, they, what they're going to do on offense. And Clay isn't the voice of experience, and it isn't his call. His call, you know, like Bear Bryant always said, my job is to coach my assistant coaches. Their job is to coach the players. I think this is a case where Clay said my job was to, to get a, either a Cliff Kingsbury or a Graham Harrell here and make the change for all the reasons that we think our talent fits this system and then get out of the way and just help them but not you know, take over. I think that's the way it's going to go. I really do. So I talked about this in the Family Feud podcast, but I was curious about your guys' thoughts. And now I don't know if this is me reading too much into it, but we essentially got to compare and contrast how Clay talked about coordinators since uh, Clay talked about Cliff after the early signing day presser and he talked about Graham in the the national signing day presser. It To me, it felt like Clay brought up Tim Drev no more when talking about Graham Harrell because he said that Graham Harrell, they wanted to look for a coordinator that was elite in the passing game. And it sounds like Tim Drono still has his run game coordinator title. So now I, I'm wondering if Clay is going to try and make Graham Harrell work more with Tim Drevno in that, as opposed Whoa. to letting him have full control over the offense and having, you know, so, some help from Tim. It, I just felt like it, we heard Drevno's name more so in the second pr- press conference than the first. Now I could be reading into it, but I was just you're, you're trying to blow up the peristyle, Keely. No, like I'm not. I'm just trying to read the tea leaves here. <laughs> Tweet Keely at Keely well, is my name. Yeah, That's what she feels. Yeah. About. No, <laughs> I think he has to work with Drevno. I yeah. mean, Drevno hasn't done this before, so I think the two of them have to really get. You don't want anybody going off on his own at all. I mean, so I think that's a. Uh, but I think no more so than he's going to work with with Mike Jenks. So I think that they, you know, they're going to all kind of you know work this out together. I think that's the way it has to be. Uh, but I think you need Drevno to really understand what they're doing uh, to get the most out of the offensive line. So I, I think that I think that was a, that was legitimate uh, in terms of incorporating uh, you know Drevno in there uh, because he does know uh, you know the players. Uh, he knows the running backs that are back from last year. I mean, he was technically their you know their coach. Uh, so if you make that work. Uh, and that's what they've got to do. They've got to make it work. I mean, this is these three weeks right now. Uh, I think that's hopefully what they're all, you know, they're all brainstorming. They're all, you know, trying to pick up exactly what it is that, you know, Graham, you know, is going to do and how they're going to do it and how all the pieces that they, you know, can contribute uh, will fit in there. And, and so, so I think I want Drevno involved a lot. Uh, you know, in terms of the run game, but I want Harold saying, this is how it works. This is what you're going to get when you do this or when you do this or when you see this 
you know, on the defense. This is what will be there, or this is why we can use two running backs, and this is what we can get, you know, when we've got, you know, a two-back set and all of that kind of thing, or this is what we can get out of our H-backs, and this is how they can contribute, you know, doing this or doing that. And uh, and I, you'd like Drevner to say, yeah, I think that'll work well with this guy or with that guy, or trying to, in his mind, come up with, as, as much as Neil Calloway talked about getting the five best guys and getting them all to work together, uh, and uh, as a unit, I think that's what they have to do. I think this year the offensive line is find who those guys are and where they have to be, you know, in the, in the, you know, the scheme of things. And, uh, I think that's where, you know, Drevno can be awfully, you know, important for this offense and for Graham. But, uh, but I don't, I don't see it as a threat. I don't think, uh, I hope not. I hope it's, I mean, the USC can't afford anybody who's not all together and and just pulling you know and let's get this let's get this done we you can't have anybody that's got like this is my little my little empire yes and i'm gonna run it my own you know and the heck with it no that can't happen no hell's hell's to the no you cannot do any of that this i mean keely was just i mean that's that's a scary thought if that's the thought going forward here because he didn't get to bring in any of his own assistants. So there's a little bit of concern there. This has to be, this isn't a partnership law firm. There is the Graham Harrell law firm and Tim Drevno is like an associate attorney in it. He is not a partner attorney. If he is, and you're like, oh, we got to share duties of creating this office. No, this is not why you hire a guy like Graham Harrell. You hire Graham Harrell to be the head of this corporation. He's not a co-counsel on this trial. He's the main attorney, and you have support, which is fine. And you can give, you know, dole out whatever kind of, uh, you know, assignments you need to give to Tim Drevno and Mike Jenks and all that stuff. But this got to be Graham Harrell's show. If it's not Graham Harrell's show, I mean, I, all bets are off. Like this is not why you bring someone like that in. So that's. A little bit of concern. <laughs> Keely's bring it up again. Tweeter at Keely is my name. Stop. I'm, just <laughs> I'm just getting you more followers, Keely. Sure. But Dan, if you, I don't know if you could see that, but it does have to be. There's a clear leader, and there's going to be guys that support him. Not hey, t- so Drevno's going to add his aspects to your offense. Like no, you let the guy run his offense and delegate what he needs to help with from the other guys. And it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, Drevno was in name the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. That's a big deal. It was a million-dollar-a-year assistant. Uh, now, he didn't get to be the offensive coordinator exactly, uh, as things turned out at Michigan. But, uh, but so, yeah, and he's, and he's been at USC before, and, uh, and, and Graham hasn't. But uh, I think one of the, the pluses are that Graham will be the coordinator. He's going to design the offense. He's going to design the offensive game plan. He will be the quarterback's coach and he will be the play caller. So he's going to, you know, it's hard to say that he's not going to be pretty much in charge as much as he wants to be. Uh, now, if there's anybody that, you know, doesn't want to be, you know, time to get off the bus now, I, I don't think you can have your own little, well, here's how I see this working. Now, and I think the fact that it's so different from what these guys have coached or, it's just, you know, it's, and there are a lot of ways that you say, well, no, blocking is blocking and, 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 and all of that. But, uh, but just the entire scheme is different enough in terms of putting it together and practicing it that 
that it will be a learning experience for the other guys. So I think that's what you want to see is, is them learning from Graham. What do we need? How do I help you? How do we help these guys all get on the same page? I think, I think gotta be optimistic that that's where it's going. I, I just, you know, I think Drevno, I think Drevno goes with the flow here. I don't know that I'd say that for every single assistant at USC right now in terms of going with the flow of, of other things, but uh, with Drevno, I think I think he got a pretty good chance there. That's a good point because we never really saw Tim Drevno move over to offensive line before he was actually officially moved there. You know, people yeah. always ask, did he kind of hover a little bit? Like we never really saw that. Like he stayed in his lane um, when it probably would have been. He probably was dying to yeah. go over there and do <laughs> some things at, with the offensive line. So you can give him credit there. That's uh, a good good point. We have an email from John in Brea who says, do you think it's sort of backfired to have JT Daniels reclassify and begin his SC career a year early? There was no guarantee that he would have stuck to his commitment and signed this year, but wouldn't the recruiting class look a lot different in 2019 if it was topped with a five-star QB? I get it. You take the five-star QB when you, you can get him, but perhaps everyone was a little bit too anxious. Thanks for all you do, John and Brea. That's a good point. Uh, I, I think we assumed that there would be kind of a coherent offense for JT to, to get involved in it. And I, I don't think what we quite totally understood was that things had kind of devolved with, with Sam Darnold, uh, that he was kind of, he was pretty much on his own doing his own thing. And he wasn't getting a lot of help from a structured situation that, uh, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I think Sam so often was able to, you know, make plays where, where it didn't look like they were is he was that guy who could beat that, you know, blitzing linebacker, or that defensive end or whatever, turn up the field and complete, you know, a pass where a receiver had broken off the pattern and had come back to wherever the open area was, which Deontay Burnett did, you know, so well. And so having had, you know, a couple of years of that, I don't think people realize how difficult that would be to, to ask a freshman who is used to a structure. I mean, and there's a pretty good structure at modern day and he comes into USC and the structure has him throwing literally every pass is contested. Uh, you know, life was difficult or you didn't know where the, you know, where the breakdown was going to come and, and, and you didn't have a running attack. And so, um, I think you can make it work, uh, having gone through a really difficult year. I think that year should prepare, you know, JT, you know, for next year, uh, for next season. But, uh, you know, a tough year on, you know, for JT. I mean, I think, you know, the people who are down on him that say, you know, he's a disappointment and blah, blah, blah. I just don't think they don't know what they're talking about. I re- really don't agree with, with that at all. So I think he'll have a much better year, uh, 2019, as a result of having been here in 2018. But that doesn't say that his 2018 wasn't really a, a tough year. Although, you know, then you might not have <clears throat> uh, modern day would have looked a lot different also if he were, you know, a senior at modern day. Uh, and so, I think, you know, in the long run, it can work out uh, for USC 
you know, for, for this, you know, this quarterback and the next quarterback and, and what have you, but USC has got to make it work for him. Um, they can't just expect it, you know, expect it to, to happen. But I just don't, I didn't see JT is, is staying in high school last year. He, he, he should not have still been in high school. He was, he was the right age to be a college freshman. He, you know, sat out the one year. And, uh, so I, I think he probably did a whole lot of good for himself and having to make up all those, uh, you know, extra credits to get into USC. And I think he probably, you know, developed in a lot of ways last year and for the good. And now he's got to take, you know, the next step up. But, uh, but, but I, no, I think I'm, I'm fine with, I just think you're, you're better off getting a kid like that in whenever you can get him in here, uh, yeah. as opposed to leaving him out there on the market. For I mean, he, yeah, what what do you think, Ryan? What, what what would be the chances if he just stayed at Modern Day that he would be coming into USC? Yeah, I mean, you're that's uh, next year. Yeah, this is like you you, you burn the hand is worth two in the bush. Like they had a top five recruiting class with JT Daniels there. Without him, they don't for sure. And then you're talking about this class. Would it be even worse? It could be better. Like JT Daniels could have signed. It could have kept Brew McCoy. Maybe it keeps Puka Nakua. Like you're, it's hard to say. He might have kept the class together more or. He goes another but direction. After that five and seven, would they have even been five and seven? I don't even know if they would have been five and seven. I don't think they would have been without JT Daniels. So. so it would be even worse. So the the likelihood of him staying for a senior year, but then not ending up at USC and USC's class being even worse than that, I, I would say is higher. I mean, there's there's some yeah. potential it could have been better, but for the most part, I think the record would have been worse. USC's class of 2018 would have certainly been worse because you're losing a five star player, and. As weird as it is to say, the class of 2019, I think, would have been even worse, which this was the worst one we've seen since we started covering the team. However, there might be one other difference as well. There might be a new coach. Uh, uh, and, and well, all then. of that happened. <laughs> and so then you now, so there are a whole lot of factors going in there. But uh, yeah. But you know that's who would have been hiring the new coach. So that's the. That's the other. Uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> There's a. This is a weird hypothetical. This is but. Pandora's box that we're opening right now. <laughs> There's too much, too many tangents. Yeah. Hypotheticals. Uh, we have an email from, or actually a text from Rob in Santa Clara. He says, "Hi Ryan, Dan, and Keely. Looking at our 2019 haul, it seems the the QB has me worried slash intrigued." Uh, he's talking about Keaton Slovis, the three-star quarterback out of Arizona. He says, what do we do now about him? Does he have a chance to see the field? Is he just a roster spot until we get one of the two big stars next class? Also, can't wait to see Big Ben Griffiths put on an Aussie Rules clothesline tackle on someone in a game, hopefully a Stanford or Notre Dame guy. It'll be <laughs> it'll be worth the penalty, he says. <laughs> nice. I'm kind of excited well, for him, which which is weird if you're excited for the punter. Like that's I'll say, I'll say. Yeah. I'm excited for the, the accent. That's like one of those good news, bad news. The good news he met, you know, he closed lines. The bad news is that guy got past the first ten guys uh, covering the punt. So I mean, and you know, hopefully this year they will not have two or three three hundred pound protectors back who will be the guys that have to make the tackles when uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, you know, gets a punt and starts running by everybody. So. Uh, we're hoping that that changes and, and that, you know, Ben Griffith is the uh, biggest guy back there anyway. But, uh, um, yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun to see. But I uh, hope that doesn't happen too often. You, you, know, this, you really do not want your punter 
ever they have to make a tackle. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. Because bad things often, kickers who make tackles, bad things often happen to kickers yes. who make tackles, no matter what. It's just they never practice it. Uh, and uh, you can injure, you can, you know, you might lay, lay the other guy out, but you could injure yourself too. So uh, I don't recommend. Uh, don't recommend that. Uh, what was the other, other about, part of that? It was about Keaton Slovis, the three-star quarterback out of Arizona. Well, I mean, you know, I you could say, well, three years, get your degree, and you got two grand years somewhere else uh, uh, for a kid that doesn't maybe get a get a chance. You, you know, quarterbacks. I, I I forgot what the number was the last time I saw it. But the number of quarterbacks transferring in the NCAA is, is I think, approaching a third of them. Uh, you know, there's one spot. And uh, so it's not like playing almost any other position. So, uh, you know, you can have two or three tailbacks and feel like you're really, really contributing. You just aren't going to use more than one quarterback unless you're really in, in trouble. So, uh so you, you're, you're almost going to expect it. I just think you want a kid to come in there and work hard, do as well as he possibly can, be a great asset to the team, uh, you know, give you an arm in practice who really competes and, and, and you know, wherever, like Sam Darnold with the scout team or whatever, he, he makes the team better. And then after, you know, a couple of years, you, you see what happens. And, uh, you know, some kids, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield or whoever, uh, take advantage of it and, and, you know, win a Heisman trophy or whatever, move on. Um, so I don't think you want to, you know, limit or predict, you know, something that's not going to work, but you really need more than just one quarterback every single year. I mean, you just can't, can't afford, you know, going that direction because guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to leave. And, um, so I think that you need, you know, you need guys, uh, you know, that that are going to fill out the roster and really uh, you know help the team get better. Yeah. So and it might I, don't, not, I don't see that as a negative. It might not be a bad formula too, where you go five star, three star, five star. You like kind of you know uh, go back and forth, take your turns. But we saw you know he could be in the Matt Fink category. Matt played. You know he he had a chance to start. Uh, you know Jack Sears was a little bit higher rated, a four star guy. But you're looking at like Florida State right now. They're in a world of hurt. I think they have two scholarship quarterbacks and one's hurt or something. I mean, it's like a really bad situation. So it's, yeah, you, you let them come in and, and let them compete. I think we saw Fink get better. We saw Sears get better. He'll probably get better. And then there might be opportunities sooner or later, or like Dan said, you, you graduate early and, and transfer somewhere else and get some experience. We'll see. So I got to talk. Well, and, and Matt Fink got to oh. be a, you know, a leader get a leadership role. I mean, I think, you know, there, there are places that you really can contribute and, and, and be very valuable. And then Matt still is, you know, in, in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to talk to uh, Keaton actually in Arizona. I saw, I watched him play at his high school and he, he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder for sure. Um, he, I asked him, I was like, some people are questioning your three-star rating. Like why would USC bring in a three-star quarterback? And he was kind of offended by his three-star rating. And I think that's what you want from a guy like that. He was like, I'm out in Arizona and I don't see a lot of recruiting guys coming to evaluate yeah. me. He was like, where is this three-star rating? Where is it coming from? Because I don't see them and I don't think they're seeing me. Um, and so he hasn't pl- been playing for too long, but his his offensive coordinator in high school was Kurt Warner. Right. So, Who was raving about him. Yeah. Raving about him. So it's not like it's some 
three star out of nowhere who USC just decided to, to pick up. So this is a guy who, no matter what, he sounds like he's going to come in there and, and hit the ground running because he he wants to prove that he's more than a three star. Yeah. No, I mean I think that's a that's the perfect attitude, um, you know, for him to you know to come in here with and uh, USC. I just you don't want him going through uh, seasons with just three quarterbacks. I mean that was. I can get scary. Uh, you, you basically have to have at least that fourth, I think, scholarship guy. I mean, you don't want to be going into games with, uh, you know, walk-ons uh, or the next guy in line. You know, I just so so I, I think it works really well. And, and all the things we're hearing about him uh, are are really good. I mean, really pluses about his attitude and his ability. We have a text from Eddie and Whittier. Who says, hello, Ryan. These questions are for Dan and Keeley. So, oh. interesting. Okay. Well, I'll just <laughs> sit on the sidelines then. Uh, the first question, he says, when it's all said and done, who's going to take first place for worst, worst athletic director, Lynn Swan or Pat Hayden? Because they are pretty darn close to being tied for the worst. Dan, I'll let mm. you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't have worst out of just two. Uh, worst <laughs> would be three or more. Uh, so, I guess you'd have to have... Who's, who is worse? Uh, uh, it's interesting. Pat was in a situation where I don't think he understood much of what was going on. Uh, hadn't been prepared for that. Um, you got two ex-broadcasters and two, you know, kind of stars who hadn't maybe been the guys that had to actually make decisions. Uh, and, um, uh, I think it's been hard, and, and, and Lynn has gone kind of one direction where he's not around all that much or not involved uh, that much with what's going on. And, you know, the one, I guess, two decisions, get rid of the song girls from basketball and uh, and keep Clay, people might not agree with with, with either one of those. Uh, but Pat had a longer track record of, decisions that let's say we probably don't agree with um over the years i know ryan and i have kidded about this a little bit that if you put a blindfold on and threw darts with all the possible you know how do you get them all how do you never hit the target how do you never get them right um uh, i had a tough a tough time uh to yeah. the usc a stop and, clock uh, is right twice a day and I don't know if Pat Hayden was ever right. I think a clock, not yeah, a stop clock. Uh, no, a stop clock. Yeah. If you have a clock that's stopped, it's like three o'clock. It's right twice a day. It's three o'clock. Oh, I thought you meant like a, a stop clock. Like no, a, a, see, oh. millennials don't know what a clock is. I know what a clock. Yeah. I, I know a clock. No, no, I thought a clock you meant is not like, something that has numbers on it. That's just digital. I thought it's, you meant like a stopwatch. It was my bad. Okay. <laughs> see, we used to have these things on the wall with hands, and you have to like they Ryan. would teach you in school. Some people even have them on their wrists. They're like watches, you know, wrist watches that, wow. uh, without a screen. Yeah, I don't. I don't even. Know. My my watch is all but, screen. But, but I think yeah, Pat's record just because of the longevity and and the, all of the decisions that had to be made um, probably makes him more in that in that category right now than than Lynn. We'll see what what happens. Uh, I mean, I would like to see more engagement and more maybe listening to people and, you know, talking to people and, you know, considering what people were thinking and, 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 and kind of emerging from the bubble that seems to, you know, there's that one over UFC 
the entire you know school and campus and then there's another one that's over uh heritage hall and you'd like to see somebody emerge from that bubble to to try to engage with uh usc's fans as much as possible and really understand you know what's going on what they're thinking and haven't seen a lot of that would like to see a lot more of that I know the question wasn't for me, but real quick, I, I'm, I've always been very critical of Pat Hayden. I've said he's the worst athletic director in USC history. Probably need to do a little more history diving, but you know, the recent history for sure. But he was very good at dealing with people. Um, I, you know, him and JK McKay, I love talking to JK McKay. They were, they were out there talking with people and said like Lin Swan, it seemed like he's just secured in his own bunker. Like Pat Hayden, I don't like a lot of the decisions he made or most of them or all of them, but for, I mean, he was very personable. He would be out there. You'd see him at tailgates doing things and like talking to people. And he he did that part of the job, I thought, really well. Where, In interviews. He'd do interviews. Yeah, yeah. He would talk to the media and stuff. Um, you know, it got a little weirder towards the end when there was just a lot more pressure on him. But but like Lin Swan doesn't do any of that stuff. No. I mean, and, and you do hear, you know, the sense that, that that's not happening internally either. Uh, that, that, you know, that that there isn't a lot of really good communication. Um, and, and that's pretty important. I think with this job, I think in, in this town right now with what's happening with all the other sports, uh, and, and all the pro sports and, the, you know, the fact that when Pete got here, you know, the Rams weren't here, the Chargers weren't here, LeBron wasn't here. Uh, you know, the Dodgers were just okay. And, what have you? I mean, how you know how long ago was that? The Angels were the best team in town. I mean, it's like hard to believe, isn't it, Kelly? Yes. Um, <laughs> back in the day, and now it's just the LA sports scene is so different. And uh, I think you got to get engaged with it. You can't just say we're USC and you know deal with it. No, you got to really make make USC happen. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the bubble. We have a question about that a little bit later. Uh, the second question that Eddie had for us, he says, I recently learned that Alex Rios is gone from SC. Who has taken over in his role in this skeleton half-effort put-together support staff? Also, let's prepare for a 45K-filled stadium. Good job, SC. Can't even do that right. I don't think well, anyone's uh, replaced. I think them. they are preparing for the 45,000-seat uh, Coliseum. I think they're... they're, they're Everything they've done is is moving to you know a downsized uh, you know coliseum uh, for home football games. So so you can say they're ahead of the curve there. But uh, Ryan would know more about uh, what's happening with recruiting there. Yeah. So I don't think they actually. Re- so Alex Rios ended up leaving, and it was quiet. I mean, it's not like they made some big announcement after the UNLV game. To my understanding, he he wasn't replaced, so he was like the second game of the season. He was already gone. Um, so they did bring in uh, Trey Johnson, uh, who's you know had worked in the SEC. I think he's been a, a pretty big help there. But there's there's still openings. They're, they haven't replaced everyone. They were pretty bare bones before, and they haven't filled in some of the spots. Um, I think it was Alex Collins left, and they I think Trey might have took Alex's place. But I, I believe uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, no, was it Alex Collins? Yeah. Who left? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, at, he's at AFU or FAU right now. FAU, yeah. So he went to Nevada and then okay. and FAU. But I feel I think it was Trey Johnson that replaced him, but Alex Rios was never replaced. Um, we talked about this stuff in the war room too. They're limited. Like we, we 
they're limited in space in the McKay Center, which is another limiting factor. They they basically built and designed that when Lane Kiffin had like one support staff person before this all blew up. There's just not a lot of room for guys. I don't think that's a good excuse. I think if you need support people, you hire them and bring them in and sit them wherever you got to sit them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they've done that. We haven't really heard any other uh, recruiting announcements as far as people being added. Uh, I do think it's bare bones. I think that's something that needs to be addressed and, you know, hopefully they do. They, I think they have to at some point. It's just, it, I mean, it, everyone knows about it. You can talk about it on Twitter, on our message boards. Um, people know that they're using, you know, fewer and fewer people uh, on support staff compared to the Clemsons and the Ohio States and Georgias and Alabamas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so if you want to compete on that level, I think you need to have the support around uh, the coaching staff, not just the right coaching staff, but the support around them. And I don't think USC's up to snuff when it comes to that. They got some good people, but they don't have enough of them. And that you know, office space, <clears throat> office space is the that's the worst excuse <laughs> ever for not expanding or not having as many people as you need. It's just the absolute. It's an excuse that you just can't even listen to. I mean, it's just worthless. Uh, you can't even anybody even thinks about that. Oh, we need this guy, but where would we put him? You just say no. The the second part of that you don't even listen to. I mean, if you need the guy to compete, and you you know you know what everybody else is doing, and you know you know USC in some ways has a big advantage, and in some ways there are some issues in terms of when USC recruits nationally, it's going to take more time, more effort, you know, more expense, and they've got to be able to you know deal with it, and they can't just say oh we don't have anywhere to put somebody like that. No, that. that don't even talk about that and that somebody would even say that. And, and it, <clears throat> it does again, indicate that how, you know, how, how long ago that they, you know, McKay center was, you know, this, you know, fabulous place. And uh, I still saw a ranking last week of the college football facilities and still had USC in the top 10 um, and, and in terms of, uh, you know, on campus facilities, which, kind of amazing i guess in a way but uh um yes he's gotta you gotta live up to that you can't just say you know well there's just nothing we can do about it no there is something you can do about it and you have to do it so i'm going to bundle these final two questions that we have because they're similar uh Corey from henderson nevada says i along with my two business partners partners are members of the trojan athletic fund committee we travel from Las Vegas to every home game and travel often to road games. So obviously, we are not just casual fans. We put our money where our mouth is. What can someone like myself do when we feel like the leaders and coaches of USC who have shaken us down significantly for the stadium remodel seem to be tone deaf to what obviously is seen by all as being deep problems within the program? Are they so out of touch that they don't see it? Or do they really believe that the talking points... Uh, or do they really believe the talking points that they throw out there? Thanks for all your insights that you give to us remote fans. Corey from Henderson, Nevada. And then we have a, a email from Tim from the Bay Area. And he wants to know from Ryan, have you heard anything more about the big ticket donors pulling their contributions to the Col- Coliseum renovation? I canceled my TAF committee membership today and I don't plan on renewing my eight tickets. Just can't keep supporting what is going on or not going on in the athletic department. Um, will be interesting to see if I get a response from USC. Thanks for all you do. I will keep supporting the site. Tim from Bay Area. Hey, Tim. I mean, we, we hear stuff. We, we definitely hear stuff that of that. Um, I don't think we'll know until the season rolls around. We've had a lot of people tell us. You see people talking about it on Twitter. 
But there's also, because there's people dropping their tickets, there's better opportunities. So some people are using it as a chance to buy, you know, buy low. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know if we're going to get the exact numbers and stuff, but we've definitely heard from a lot of people that say they're, I've had eight tickets. I've had six tickets. I've been here for 40 years and I'm, I'm, I'm not going anymore. So I, until the season rolls around though, I'm not sure we're going to know for sure. Yeah. I, I don't recall ever hearing from as many people who are still fans. I mean, people, you know, that you run into all the time and they just, you know, casually say, I'm not renewing my tickets. I, I've never heard that before the way we're hearing it now, not ever. Uh, so, and, and we're talking about people like, you know, who say my eight tickets or my six tickets or whatever. And then we do hear people who say, well, I'm going to get a chance to move up to some better seats now. Uh, even, you know, that they've taken out 10,000 good seats uh, on the uh, press box side. Uh, they're still going to, you know, there's still seats to move up to. Uh, I don't think they're going to tell us, uh, you know, we can hear anecdotally, but I don't think they're going to give us any sort of accounting. I internally, I would love to be able to know what the ticket office people are telling, uh, you know, and what the fundraising people are telling, uh, anybody that it matters. I don't, I don't know right now that anybody in the athletic department reports to anybody, um, the way, USC is set up. I'm not sure that there's somebody calling the athletic director and saying, well, what's going on with, you know, how many million dollars are we going to be running, you know, short this year? I don't know that that happens right now until you get a president in place and you get a, you know, a, a, a second line of, of really top administrators and, and everybody has to kind of report in. Um, I don't know that there, and I know that they're probably telling themselves, oh, as we get closer to the season, it's going to be all right. And people are going to see the, you know, renovated Coliseum and they'll be all excited. And, and, and we're, and I think they're probably kidding themselves uh, in terms of how this is going. I mean, let's face it, uh, USC has a chance and everybody, you know, that tells you how bad, the, you know, the first half of the schedule is and all that. The flip side of that is, USC could win a lot of those games and get everybody, you know, excited again. It doesn't take a lot, but um, you wouldn't want to be hanging your hat on that and saying, well, I think we're going to get off to a good start and, and we'll get those people back. And if you do get off to a good start, you might get those people back. I think the, the, the wild card there, I think, is the way TV plays around with the, uh, with the start times. I think that's, uh, that's a disaster for, uh, you know, established fans, you know, like guys that drive in from, you know, Henderson, Nevada, or people that come in from all over California or whatever, uh, to have no idea till you know, sometimes six days before the game when it's going to kick off, you know, when it kick off at noon or, or, or eight o'clock. Uh, that's really, I think, hurting. Se- I mean, season tickets and, and uh, just attendance, is hurting in a lot of places. I mean, Alabama is having trouble getting their students to come to games. Uh, it's, it's, this is a you know a nationwide issue because um, you know people don't want to you know be jacked around as far as when when's the, when's the game going to be, and uh, so I think that's something to overcome that on a maybe on a conference level, conference wide level at the Pac-12 you could you know maybe they have to get back some money and they don't have enough money to begin with in terms of their TV deals, but to, uh, 
to allow some of the things that the Pac-12 allows to happen in terms of scheduling uh, uh, certainly isn't helping people, uh, encouraging people to show up at home games. Uh, no question about that. So I don't think it's a real optimistic outlook right now. We will see. Um, but, you know, maybe some optimism can be built over the spring. Maybe the offense looks fun and people want to come out there. So I think there's still a long way to go. Um, but there's there's been a lot of not – great or not perfect decisions made by some of the higher ups at USC. They got some chances this, this year heading up to the season to make better ones and maybe reverse some of the other ones. So we'll see uh, what USC able to do. Uh, well, you know, I was just thinking uh, for people who are, are really, really negative, uh, the two big, you know, biggest sports books have USC as the number 17 tied for number 17 choice to win the national championship next year. And I guess USA Today uh, and they're way too early. Uh, top 25 had USC number 15. So who knows? I mean, people, you know, USC, there are still people out there who haven't given up on USC. Yeah. Uh, and they're not that far. Come on. To win the Pac-12, what would it really take for USC to win the Pac-12 next year? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, people act like, oh, no way. I mean, I'm not sure winning the Pac-12 is all that big a deal. But to act like USC couldn't possibly even think about that, yeah, the USC team that lost to UCLA could not think about that. Yeah, no question about that. That was one of the you know, unforgivable sins of USC football history. But to say that USC couldn't win the Pac-12 next year, no, they could absolutely win the Pac-12 next year. And you just never know, you know <clears throat> what happens if you win the Pac-12, which is why the USC job, when people say, well, what about this famous coach? Why would he come to USC or this famous coach? And you'd say, what do you mean? You can win the Pac-12 every single year. You win it every year, you're going to be in the college football playoffs. You get in the playoffs, you got a chance to win it. I mean, come on. USC's in a good place. There are a lot of bad things about being in the Pac-12. The good thing about being in the Pac-12, if USC is USC, it wins the Pac-12. If you win the Pac-12, you got a shot to do something really good. And, uh, you know, so for all the reasons to be negative, there are some reasons to be positive. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about it. Keely. We got that any? is it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle podcast. That's Keely. You're over there sitting in my little studio or I guess it's our studio. We're sitting here just kind of chilling, <laughs> talking some Georgia football. We got Dan Weber on the line. Uh, hopefully you guys all enjoyed listening to the three of us. Ramble on about everything USC football. Um, keep sending the questions in. There are some really good ones. We'll try to turn the page on all the, the bad things that have happened and maybe move forward a little bit. We'll try. Uh, you know, as long as nothing else bad happens between now and next week. Oh, no. We'll cross our fingers. We'll don't do it, Ryan. <laughs> I did see a tweet from the LA Times I don't even going to go into um, that you mentioned before the show. But we'll. Uh, that's that's not football related. So that's just moving uh, on, Ryan. other USC things that aren't. Aren't all of that great? Uh, that's Keely Orr, Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Oh, real quick, we're going to do a recruiting podcast on Thursday, on Valentine's Day. Me and Gerard will be recruiting. <laughs> He'll be my Valentine. We're going to recruit nice. do a uh, for our VIP members at uscfootball.com. So if you want to get in-depth into recruiting, uh, we will do that for you. We'll have Tunnel Vision on Wednesday night also. Tomorrow. So, yeah, tomorrow night. So this is we'll record this on Tuesday. So Wednesday night yeah. we'll have... Tunnel Vision. But that's Keely, Dan. I'm Ryan. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. 
You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.